I'm going to invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles uh, to Ephesians chapter 6 for the last time. Uh, We are finishing up the book today, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to focus on verse 18 through 24. Uh, of that uh, book. And so in, in doing so, we're going to somewhat do a review of the entirety of the book. And so there's be a few passages I'm going to have you read uh, as we go through and our time together and highlight uh, the themes of the book that I believe Paul himself uh, summarizes in his closing. Uh, and so we'll, we'll look at that together. Um, and so I'm going to ask that we uh, stand together, this being God's word, if we will just read it, uh, honoring the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 24. He is just finishing up talking about the whole armor of God, with verse 18 being the final bit. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. You may be seated. I'm going to ask that you keep your finger there in Ephesians. will be right there. But if you'll turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 19, um, I think it might be helpful as we look at this, this passage to think what happened at Ephesus. When Paul went there, in fact, he spent more time in Ephesus than he did other places, in the other place, uh, in ministering in that city. And as we read to see how did the church get started there, you'll see what kind of power was on display in the city of Ephesus. Just as a way to remind you, Ephesus was perhaps maybe one of the spiritual capitals of the room in that they had so many temples in false worship in Ephesus. In fact, if you go today, you will still see many of the false temples that are there. Uh, and and uh, was known for in that city. And so it was a, an epicenter of idolatry, if you will, in Rome. And so as we read in Acts 19, you'll see that Paul, when he goes there, what type of encounters that he had in that city. In fact, I think it's kind of interesting when you see verse 11, uh, what type of spiritual activity took place. I, I think it's, it's really helpful for us to see the climate Uh, of that place. Um, When you see verse 11, Acts 19, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So God took special care in doing, displaying his power that's in his name. In fact, you'll see that theme of the authority or the name of Jesus Christ in Acts 19. Verse 12, 
so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases, diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now that, that is amazing. That's the stuff of, of TV evangelism, is it not? Uh, where you, if you buy, buy this money, you'll get this, this handkerchief that was used for healing. Well, what is in mock now in TV is actually what was happening right there in this place. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? These men were not under the authority of the Spirit of God. Uh, They were not filled with the Spirit of God, and so consequently they were not recognized by satanic forces. You see this in verse 6. How do we know that they were not recognized? Well, verse 16, And the man in whom was the evil spirits leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That's how you know that you're not respected by spiritual forces. When they beat you naked, you are disrespected in a most powerful way. And so uh, everyone saw the power that was not in effect in contrast to Paul. Verse 17, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of Lord Jesus was extolled. You see the theme of the name of the Lord Jesus, the authority of Jesus Christ. Also, many of those who were not believers came confessing and divulging their practices. What kind of practices? Spiritually dark practices, satanic practices. A number number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. This was a noteworthy amount, uh, a sizable financial amount. So that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So if you're in Ephesus and you have memory of Paul... This is the type of thing you remember about Paul. He was a man of might that God had used in supernatural, spiritual ways. So that all of Ephesus knew. In a city that openly worshipped satanic uh, idols, God worked openly with his power. So that all the residents were aware. In fact, you see that many did not like the power of God on display. In verse 21, uh, <clears throat> that you see that Paul resolved the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. But as you read in this passage, there were those who made much profit off spiritual dark forces. They, their livelihood was at stake, and so they raise up a riot against Paul, but yet Paul is spared, not hurt at all through all this. So if you think about this type of power, I would love, wouldn't you love to know, Paul, how does this power work? How can you be a man of such power to influence a spiritually dark 
religious epicenter of Rome and make this type of advancement. Paul, what are your secrets? So I want you to keep that in mind when Paul writes this letter. This is what they have encountered by Paul. This is what they know of him. After him spending over a year, they're ministering of, with them. Paul talks about spiritual warfare. They had credibility in Paul. This is a man that knew what he was talking about. He had engaged in spiritual warfare and their city had seen the result. Their city had benefited from a man that was under the authority of Jesus Christ. So, when he starts talking about spiritual warfare, they're paying attention. I want you to just get that, understand that. And then, in verse 18, he says, As we talk about this, all the, the, the helmet of salvation, uh, 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 the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the, the sword of truth, the shoes, uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the belt of truth, he says, With all these things, you're praying. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. And we already saw in Ephesians 5.18 that we're to be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say that we live in accordance with the, the heart, the direction, the will of God as revealed in His Word. That is His Spirit to say He works in accordance to His revealed will with His Word to be under the authority. So to pray... Pray at all times in the Spirit is to say, I'm under the direction, the authority of God. I'm submitted to Him. So, notice the emphasis as we talk about this. And we're looking at prayer, uh, this being the final piece, so to speak, of the spiritual armor. The spiritual tool, the weapon used. And so, he says, do it all times. In the Spirit. How do you pray at all times? Is it say to be conscious of God everywhere? Every moment. To be conscious of Him. To be in conversation with Him. And then he says with all types of prayer. All prayer and supplication. To say that as we go it is to say to thank God. When I, we were driving today I was looking at the leaves. And I'm thinking wow it's really starting being colorful. To, to say in your heart and mind to say thank you God. For the trees and the beauty of them. As you go through the sunrises and sunsets. To say man you know what I'm really tired God. I'm trying to get adjusted to this time change. I, I've just got a weariness about me. So it's to have a conversation with God, as you go through your day, when I'm reading the Word of God, I say, God, tell me what this means to me as I'm driving through, going to work, and say, God, would you, would you lift up this person as you pass by their house and you see where they are to say, God, would you make your presence known as I go into work today, as you wake up and you clean the dishes and your mind's like, God, thank you for the dishes. And Lord, would you work on my heart? I've got some dirt in my own life. I need some cleaning in my life and and it's to go through your day praying at all times to be conscious of God that's what Paul is getting at he says you remember how that power worked at me it's because I was always aware and submissive to God as I went so at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance to say keep on Keep on praying. Don't faint. 
In the time of adversity, don't faint. In the time of challenge, in perseverance, to keep on praying, especially in that moment, to be doing that. And then we keep on reading, making supplication for all the saints. Remember the, the context of spiritual warfare? One of the things that happens in spiritual warfare is that you feel like you're all by yourself. One of the first tactics, first tactics, is to make you feel alone. And when you're in spiritual warfare, he says, pray with all the saints. to Realize that all the saints are going through challenges like what you go through every day. And so, I love the fact that he ends this idea of spiritual warfare with prayer. And then he says, not only for all the saints, verse 19, verse 20, pray for me. Pray for me. What, what should we pray for? Pray for words that may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Would you pray for that for me personally? That I would be bold in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel to, to be able to give declaration of what God has done. Not just in this moment, but in our everyday. Would you pray for one another in that? One of the things that we're going to be focusing on as we go into 2018, this concept of breathe. Green pines breathe. What does that look like? It looks like receiving the word of God in your everyday. So beginning in January 2018, we want to start a, a church-wide Bible reading time. We're reading a Bible plan that we're reading the Bible together. But with it, we're going to find in Scripture that what you read and what you learn, you proclaim. So the breathing is the inhaling of God's Word in our life. To say, Greenpines, we need some time to breathe to receive the Word of God. But the exhaling is sharing out what God is telling us. To find people that we can just share what has God told us in His Word. And so you find that Paul is praying the same thing to say, I've got the mystery of the gospel. I know it in my head of learning this. But would you pray with me that we can proclaim boldly the gospel? He gives a little bit of clue about that in verse 20. For which I'm an ambassador in chains. He's an ambassador of the gospel to say that I represent God's good news to the world around me. I represent God's good news to my children, to my parents, to my co-workers, to my neighbors. How are we representing God's good news? And for Paul is to say that I'm doing so in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So if you don't know, uh, Paul is writing this letter to Ephesus while he is in prison and Rome. It's interesting, if you just turn the page, is Philippians, should be. Um, Philippians is another letter he writes a little bit later in prison in Rome. And notice verse 12, he's, he's asking for the people of Ephesus to pray for him, that he may boldly proclaim the gospel. The mystery of the gospel, which he's ambassador of chains, knowing that he's in prison because of advancing the gospel, because of proclaiming the gospel, and he's not in a very friendly environment for the gospel. All right? they, they are slightly hostile to the gospel. But it's interesting, as we later on read what's going on, 
as he's in prison. He gives a little report to another church about what's happening. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Here's the answer to the prayer he prays and the verse and the, and the page before this. Guys, thank you for praying me. The advancing of the gospel has gone out into the imperial guard. That is to say, the praetorium. This is a, a special group that there's guards. And so people we're finding out are, as they're getting chained to them, are starting to hear the gospel. And we're starting to see that in Rome, that the, the, the guards are becoming part of the church because they're getting exposed to the gospel. Church, I want you to think that and see this and say, what is this, this, this battle tool of spiritual warfare? I want you to look in the pew next to, uh, on your pew. Do you see that space next to you on that pew? That's how much room you've got to pray to proclaim the gospel. What do I mean by that? A church grows because people share. It's simple. They trust. It's that simple man. Trust and obey. God's called us to, to declare his gospel. And as we look, you know, the question might be, is there enough people out there that have not heard the gospel? I, I don't really need to answer the, ask that question, do I? There, there are multitudes of people growing every month into this area, and they don't know the gospel. And we have set aside this place to say we want it to be a place where people in the community can worship God. And as we see ample space, it is to say there is ample room for prayer. That's the first step. Us praying for your pew to be filled because you're boldly proclaiming to someone around you. Now we'll need someone to sit in the front row here. <laughs> but as we see what Paul is praying, it is to say this is how we follow the same path, to pray for that. But notice some of the other prayers. You've got them there. Uh, as we learn, how do we pray? Well, as we look in Ephesians, you see all throughout uh, that he's teaching us how to pray. In Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 21, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's what we prayed in song earlier. Say, God, will you open up the eyes of our heart? Why? That we might know what is the hope to which he's called us? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in his saints? That we might know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might. That he worked in Christ, which he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That we might know the power of Christ 
and his working in our life. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. You see in verse 16, what else do we pray for, for believers? According to the riches of glory, we pray that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Would you pray for believers here that our spirit will be strengthened by God's spirit? Our inner men. Why? Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We're going to pray that Christ would be rooted in our hearts. Dwelling in our hearts. Being rooted and grounded in love. Why do we need this strong inner man? Why do we need this sense of Christ's presence? So that we could comprehend something. Church, would you pray that we would comprehend, verse 18, with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ as passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Have you ever thought that we have to pray even to understand how God's love is for us and to comprehend it, to be filled with the, the presence of him? To say that as a church, that this is a, a community of people that has a love of God about them that is in their inner, inner spirits. To pray for our church, to have that. And then chapter 6, what we already read, verse 19 and 20 how do we pray? We pray that, that being filled with the Spirit of Christ and, and who He is, being filled with His wisdom, that we will boldly proclaim that, that we would breathe God's presence through His Word and out our mouths. We'll keep on reading. So He finishes up this time of prayer. He comes to verse 21 through 24, kind of the, the closing aspect of this. He talks about Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister that has come and ministering. He's being sent to Ephesus that he might know how they're doing. But then we find verse 23 and 24. This is kind of the postlude, the, the closing. But in it, he gives these three themes. First, peace. Peace. Peace to the brothers. This is the result of the gospel. The result of the gospel is to say that when gospel has this working in your life, it's going to be peace to the brothers. This has been a major theme in the book. In fact, just as a way to review, look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, and you see how he is explaining the gospel and the effect of the gospel. The result of the gospel in, in someone's life is to say that there is a radical new community that develops. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who will fall off in peace to those who were near. The result of the gospel is that there is a peace among people who are submitted to Christ that crosses known barriers in a society. That is the result of the gospel. One of the things we pray for in our church is that there would be a submission to Christ. 
a surrender to Him, whereby there can be a peace. It's not to say that you always agree, as we know. But it's to say there are some things that we hold more in common. And a church that is healthy will, in its structure, put a lot of emphasis on what unites us. That being Christ, His Word, His Spirit. But when, as a church, we put emphasis on outside things, there will be no promise of a uniting force. And this is, we find that God, through His Word, through circumstances, will expose and challenge us to say what unites us, what unites us. It is the result of the gospel. It's something we have to hold on to and believe. That is why for a believer, there is really only one option when it comes to disagreement. And that is forgiveness and confrontation. Forgiveness and confrontation. Grudging, resentment, bitterness is not an option for a believer. In fact, he speaks to that in Ephesians chapter 4. When he talks about this new man, verses 17 to 32, what does this look like, this new man? He gives us some code of conduct of how this new life works in our life. We'll keep on reading as we, as we follow this. He says, peace be to the brothers. And then, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This gives us the content of the gospel. The content of the gospel is Love with faith. To say, as we look at this, like, well, what, what does this mean? How do we get this peace? It's because of the love of God working in our life that carries on to one another. And so let's look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, and we see this love of God emphasized uh, in the book. God, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And love he predestined us for adoptions as sons to Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Why do we have the gospel? Simply because God in his nature is loving. And he's chosen us in his love to be a special people, to be set apart from the world that we know. And is done by the love of God. You see this again in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5. Verse 1 and 2 and 3 of chapter 2 talks about who we are in our sin and as we naturally are. Dead. Trespasses and sin. Following the course of this world. Following the prince the power of the air. Being sons of disobedience. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen. When I read this, it lets me know that I am not just a marred person. I'm not just a broken individual. I'm trying to limp along. That's true. 
but I'm more than that because the Bible says that I am a child of his love, that I'm now with him. And so, yes, there's this part of me that is broken and messed up, but there's also this part of me that says that God has declared I am his child. And he sees me right. Let that sink in. Let it shape how you think about who you are. When you're born, you're born with all kinds of insecurities. Sometimes they're right in your heart, and sometimes they get nurtured, don't they? Someone says some biting comment, and it just kind of sticks in your head. Then I'm, I'm less than. There's always someone else better. When we read the gospel, it tells us that you're loved, and that you are a child of his let that be the identifying mark for us. We keep on reading Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. This theme of, of love. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend all the saints with his breadth, length, height, depth. Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. To say that you are love. And so he says, as he closes out, Peace be to the brothers. Love with faith from God the Father, God the Son. Verse 24, we've looked at the result of the gospel, the content of the gospel, and as we look at Ephesians, it says, let me tell you about the source of the gospel, the grace, grace, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, as I look over Ephesians, this is where it came from. Yes, Ephesians is about loving. It's about bringing peace together as a church. But it's also to say it came from God's grace. That's where we come to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. He's raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How are we here? Why can we love one another? How can there be peace? It flows from God's grace. And to understand by humility that God has done something for us. He's done something for us that we did not deserve. Canaan, sit down. When we see this as a church... It allows us to give grace to one another. To say, you know what? We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve respect sometimes. But none of us did before God. To say, God has given us a grace. And as we get saturated in what God has done for us, it can't help but impact others around 
when there's a lack of grace that we give to one another, it could very well identify a lack of grace that we've comprehended with God. So we've started this book of Ephesians back in March. It's been quite a journey. When we originally, when I originally was picking out this book is so that the church would know this is what God says what a church is so that we would be willing to talk about what a church is, not be ashamed. I had no way of knowing of all that would transpire in our church as we went through this book. And I know that some have heard these sermons and they have read these messages and they thought, Jared's just trying to stick it to us. All I can say is that this is God's word. And there were messages given in this book that had no way of knowing how our church would be and what we would be dealing with as we read it. All I can say is I believe these are messages from God. These are his words. And if that's the case, then it's to say, as a church, what does it look like for us to be a praying church? Have a spirit of prayer. If anything's going to come from this church, it's going to happen because we're praying and God's working through it. It's going to happen understanding God's grace. Let that be the foundation for us. But to also exercise love. And what does that look like? Their love and truth does not get divorced. They work together, love and truth. And let's pray for a peace that's true. What does Nightdale need? It needs Christ. But Christ isn't shown through great music. Christ isn't shown through great preaching. Christ isn't shown through great hospitality and great structure and whether the structure looks like from this decade or some other decade. These things are nice and they can keep They can be obstacles. But Christ is shown through you. Shown through a body, a people that know what peace is because they love and they love because of grace. That's what Nightdale needs. Christ. With his grace, his love, his peace. And I can't manufacture that. Only Christ can. And that's why we pray. Would you pray with me for God to do that type of work, the work of Ephesus, the spiritual work in this body? Let's pray.